everyone, and welcome to Ascend Into Your Power, a podcast all about things metaphysical, alien, dimensional, channeling, mediumship, really anything that you can think of that goes outside of the matrix, that breaks the status quo, breaks the box that society tries to put us in to keep us in. This podcast is for you, and I'm your host, Chelsea, the Starseed Medium. I'm an Ascension Guide, a remote viewer, extra-dimensional channeler, and medium. And each week, we will be diving into a subject that really breaks us apart from the matrix. So if you're ready to step out of the 3D and teleport into another dimension, welcome to Ascend Into Your Power. Hello, Starseeds, and welcome back to another episode of Ascend Into Your Power. I'm so excited because you guys really loved my ayahuasca episode and you wanted to know more. So here we are back again for part two, ayahuasca, and what I'm going to talk about today is really going to be all about that before process, the preparation it took for me. Um, to work through that shadow, to work through those things that I had touched on last week, to really prepare me and get me into the point where ayahuasca really showed up and called me to her. So I hope you're ready to learn a little bit more about this and let's just dive right in. So where did we leave off last time, right? <laughs> um, basically, before ayahuasca, I I talked about a little bit of my spiritual journey. So um, uh, if I didn't talk about it already in my Ascension one, I'm just going to go straight from the beginning, right? So in 2019, I um, went to Peru for the first time. Um, to go a little bit more in depth, it was right after a very abusive relationship, emotionally, mentally abusive, that really broke me down to the point of where I didn't know who I was. I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't know what was right, what was wrong. I literally was so controlled and manipulated in that relationship that I didn't, I didn't have a voice of my own anymore. I was told my emotions were too much. I was told, you know, I couldn't drink alcohol with friends, but it was okay to drink it with them. Like all of these things that were pressured onto me and um, told to me. Um, Even so much so to the fact that I had been planning this trip to Peru from before I even met this person. And um, about... Um, seven months into our relationship, it was time for me to go on the trip. And he told me that I wasn't allowed to go anymore because I was in a relationship, something that he had loved so much about me from the first moment I met him. Now we all know this is gaslighting, right? Um, Was something that I wasn't allowed to do anymore. And that was where I really took into my own initiative that, you know, this wasn't right anymore. This is too much. Like I, you've seen me build this trip. You've seen me and heard me talk about how much I'm excited about this trip and how much I'm been dying to go to Peru. I'm going like, and if you don't like that, then we can break up and that's it. 
And so I had planned this whole six weeks trip um, to South America where I started in Colombia and Bogota and then I planned four weeks in Peru um, with uh, Lima, uh, Arequipa, um, Guacachina, Puno, um, Machu Picchu, and hiking Salkantay and all of these things. So, um, and then going down into Bolivia, into La Paz, and back up again into Peru. So it was a very intricate trip. <laughs> so you could understand my frustration when I was told I wasn't allowed to go anymore. You know what I mean? So I basically um, allowed myself this opportunity to go. And that trip was very healing for me. That trip opened a lot of things for me, and that trip is where I first felt like I was home, right? And since that that trip and since that spark and since taking that first step into who I am and and that first step into really standing my standing up for myself for the first time in my life because I felt like my life in general was me constantly speaking up and getting knocked down. Uh, I never really felt seen or heard by my friends, even through school. I always felt like the odd person out. So this was really one of the first moments in my life where I really stepped into my power, right? I said, no, I'm going. I went. I was not afraid to be who I was while I was there. And I was not afraid to do the things that I've always been wanting to do while I was there either, like trying Kui and um, hiking mountains and, you know, hiking summits that I've never hiked before, you know, these these getting tattoos and hostels and, you know, like meeting random people and going out with them from the hostels that were from Europe and stuff like that it really brought me out of my element. So, um. So when I came back, obviously I talked about, you know, how I have been an esthetician for seven years and and people started to have these experiences and that led me to Reiki, right? Um, All through divine alignment, if you will, like I've always been guided into the right direction by spirit. I've always been guided into what I'm meant to do and where I'm meant to be. And that's because I always, for the most part, listen. And if I don't listen, then the universe and my spirit guides usually put something in my way to push me into the direction that I'm supposed to be going. And it takes the harder way sometimes for me to realize that the way I'm going and the direction I'm going down isn't right for me. But usually I, I figure it out after about the second time of being of the door being slammed in my face. And then I'm just like, oh, okay. And now it's a lot easier for me to decipher it because I know my body. I trust myself. I know what's happening with the, with the signs and synchronicities now. So um, yeah, Reiki was the first step in my spiritual journey that really opened the doors for everything for me. And you heard me talk about the road to ayahuasca, right? So Reiki 1 was my first um, touch with just healing myself and allowing myself to work through some of my traumas. I've, I'm somebody that never really went to therapy, you know, like, it was like, I would go to one therapy session, I'd get everything I had to say out, and then I wouldn't go back. <laughs> like, I didn't feel like I needed to keep going back over and over again. I usually try to heal everything within myself first. So it only makes sense that 
you know, getting certified in something that I could heal myself with because I have this natural gift already was what I needed to do. So um, I got certified and allowed myself to do my 30-day integration um, to where I healed myself and dove a little bit deeper into who I am through that and really started to discover myself from that too. I started to like allow myself to date um, to date as well and just really figure out what I liked again and and men based on who I was now and I tell people a lot of times too like when they evolve and when they change it's very important to figure out who and what is like you're attracted to now and and what you will be willing to put up with and what you're not willing to put up and really setting boundaries around yourself with relationships and things like that. So it allowed me to learn a lot more about myself, a lot more of the qualities I would like in a partner, a lot more of the qualities that I would like for myself to have when it comes to relationships as well. Um, So I started to make simple changes in that and I started to make um, changes in my diet and my routine and working out and all of that as well too. And I um, eventually, um, you know, started to dive into self-help and personal development from my time with a company that I still cherish to this day because that personal development and that self-work that I did to be a better version of myself led me to a really lot really a lot of great people who had that same mindset, who had that same clarity of in order to be the best version of myself, I need to do the work. I need to figure out who I am. I need to read and and learn and hear other people's perspectives, you know. So that really allowed me to just dive deeper. I started listening to podcasts instead of music. I started to read up on spirituality and read books that really make you think outside the box. Um, I started to meditate and go to breath work, you know, and breath work is a very beautiful experience too, because if you aren't somebody that wants to do psychedelics or plant medicine, breath work is one of the simplest ways to get the same effects of a psychedelic experience without ingesting or taking anything. Um, It's all through your breath and you can have a lot of visionary from it. You can have a lot of release from trauma from that as well too. And that's something that I take a lot of happiness and love for myself um, because it has helped me immensely as well. Um, the other thing that I frequently did was heal myself through Reiki and do my own Reiki healings, but also having somebody to do and administer and hold the container for Reiki for me as well. And I would usually get one deep Reiki healing a month where I could really dive in and figure out the emotions behind everything. Um, and I think that's so important because... I was talking to my friend earlier today and everybody likes to talk about spirituality and talk about, you know, ayahuasca and talk about awakenings and things like that. But no one really likes to talk about the steps that it takes to get to these things. And I felt like that was just another confirmer of 
why I needed to talk about this because there's so much work um, and I don't really like to say work per se, but there's so much that goes into doing these things and getting to this place that I'm at now. Um, and that's why I'm at this place where I can share and be open about all of this with you guys. And it's not to make me feel like it's not to make me seem better than you in any way. It's just, just to show you like, if I could do it, you can do it. And these are the steps that I took to get here. And that may work for you. And that may not work for you. But all in all, it's going to help you get closer to your higher self. It's going to help you get closer to the path that you're on, you know? So um, to continue, like these Reiki healings were amazing for me as well. And um, I started, you know, I started getting those healings. And then I really felt like I was at a place where I could help others, you know, before I felt like I had to help others, like I needed to help myself first. And that's something that a lot of people also don't think about is that to do the work to help other people is so important because if you're not doing the work on your own, if you're not making sure you're healed, if you're not doing the shadow work in the deepest in the deepest feelings and things that you have within yourself, then how can you really hold space and hold the hand of somebody else who needs that guidance, who needs that container held for them if you don't really know who you are and if you don't really know your own emotions to separate, you know? So all this like shadow work and all this healing that I did just from that really allowed me to go into Reiki too. I felt called to it. I felt I was ready for it. I had done a lot of work around it. And so I went into Reiki too. And I'm training the Usu method, um, which is a Japanese technique. Um, and um, the Reiki too, um, for me, allows me to um, administer Reiki on other people, not just on animals and myself like I had done before. So I could now administer on other people and um, do it through time and space as well, too. So uh, it was um, a very beautiful incarnation um, into this modality, uh, into this new thing. And um, like I said before, I randomly met one of my first clients um, out when I was with some of the friends that I met from that previous company I worked for. And... Um, I randomly knew his name. I didn't know how I, I knew his name. I, it, it came to me like I needed to work with him or I, I knew him from somewhere and I needed, I needed, I knew his name, you know what I mean? And that's something that I couldn't explain. And that's another divine intervention thing right there. Because when I did have the opportunity to do that healing, it unlocked my mediumship, mediumship gifts. And, um, that scared me so immensely because I am an empath. I am very intuitive, but when you do get to this place of unlocking your mediumship gifts for the first time, it's scary because, you know, I didn't know what was happening to my body. I didn't know I was feeling this pain. I didn't have the proper tools and understanding of how to ground and really hone in on my mediumship abilities full send. Um, so, you know, I 
myself reach out to people who have more knowledge than me to teach me and tell me what I need to know. And then, you know, I take those teachings and I make it my own, obviously, because I'm my own person and what works for everyone doesn't work for everyone. And that's why I'm also a big proponent on that too. Like what works for me may not work for you, but I love learning about different modalities and different ways of doing things. So I took the the steps to learn and hone in on my mediumships. I started practicing it. I started, I learned how to properly ground myself when doing mediumships. I, I started um, doing meditations and practicing and intuition, intuitive practices and things like that. And that really just, you know, opened up my channel a little bit more to connect with my higher self, to connect with source, because, you know, you have the psychic plane, which I was kind of on with my Reiki was like that um, earthly realm, that linear progression of just knowing things that are happening through this life and this, this timeline versus mediumship and being able to connect through channel, through um, higher self, through spirit, through God and things like that. And that's not to say that in regular Reiki, you can't connect with God and spirit either, but it's just more hearing, more visionary, more um, feeling, more knowing, um, like the Claire's, if you will. Um, and those really sparked a lot of things in me just to really allow myself to get to that point where my dreams and the visions I were having, I started to trust more because if I can tell other people about their loved ones and give them the story and give them the information that they've been wanting to hear around um, their passing and knowing about their family and knowing that, you know, they see their children, they, they are there with them, they give them signs of the right way and people confirm that, that helps to build the trust within myself. That helps to make me know that I'm not crazy or, you know, anything like that. And I think that's one of the greatest things to do is have other people in your life that do the same things as you so that, you know, you don't feel less than or fall to the projections other people put on you based on their own fears or based on their own ideologies of what they expect from you in your life. Because, um, you know, your family and your friends sometimes are always the first ones to judge you based on these changes. And they're always the first ones to question you on these changes. So it really takes courage and strength and bravery and trust of self to stay true to something that is so meaningful to you that has changed your life. Um, now, so, you know, while building that trust for self and, and then, you know, being put into situations that I probably wish I could avoid it, but I could not avoid, you know, um, 
because these are all now I know lessons that I need to learn, um, lessons that I needed to have to get closer to wholeness, to oneness within myself. Um, and so I met my partner throughout this journey and I was already spiritual and they were always accepting of that, um, part for sure. And, um, it, it wasn't like it was, um, it wasn't like it was, um, something that was made to pull me away from it per se, but it was supportive at first. It was understanding at first, even though they didn't understand and they weren't in that realm in any way, but they were open to, you know, the possibilities of it. And, you know, that relationship I felt and saw like different timelines as well of what could happen and the possibilities. And, um, now I know like more so about that too. And I can go more into timelines on a later episode as well. And, and, you know, those type of visions that you get because everything's happening all at once. But I took that and I ran with that because I was at a point where I was just overcome with the pressures of being 29 and being one of the only friends that wasn't married or or had kids or anything like that. And I kind of let that get to me. And I was like, no, I see this. Like, this is totally my soulmate. Like, this is happening. Like, he's going to marry me. Like, this is, I manifested all of this into my life, even though it wasn't necessarily for me. And looking back on it now, that's okay. I understand it. Um, And this was another lesson that I had to learn was that I can't fall to societal pressures anymore. And just because I see something as a truth doesn't mean it's always what's the best path for me or the best for my highest timeline and higher self. So um, basically, I got married and um, everything was going great for the most part until he lost his job. And I had you know, been having financial situations as well, too. And this financial situation kind of took a a big toll on me, caused a lot of stress because growing up poor and um, I didn't necessarily grow up poor, but my family struggled growing up and and I was always taught to like pinch pennies and like, you know, work hard. And it was very much in the scarcity mindset. So once, you know, you have like a loss of income, you're like, oh my God, like I have to drop my business. I have to get a real career. I have to get healthcare. I have to do this. And it starts to build the scarcity mindset to the point where it's like you're pushed out of what was in alignment for you to go into a different direction because you need to feel safe and secure through money. Like you need to feel like you have your life together. And, um, that's exactly what I did. I got pushed into another situation where I had to go back into corporate society again. And at first it was great. I was loving what I was doing. I was teaching and educating on skin and that was thriving. And then once I got reality checked back into the store side of everything where 
I'm helping people that care more about like their looks and I'm not able to incorporate Reiki into what I do and I'm not able to be my true self. I have to put on this facade and I have to make everything cookie cutter and buy the book and that's not who I am. I felt very micromanaged and I was just like, ugh, in literal chaos and just hating life. I was like, why would you guys push me back here? I started to question my spirit guides. Why would you put me back here? Why am I dealing with this? And then like I started to build a lot of resentment and anger towards my partner at the time because I had to go back to work and, you know, <laughs> and and do something I didn't want to do because of them. And it caused a lot of separation and caused a lot of anxiety and a lot of wear and tear and then like distance and, you know, all of these other things that, you know, probably wouldn't have happened, but, you know, it's okay. I realized how frustrated and how angry I was. I realized I was becoming depressed. I have had multiple issues with, you know, eating and my diet because of all the abusive relationships I've been in. It's like if I was too big, I would be told to eat less. If if I was too skinny, I would be told to eat more. If I was normal, I'm like, you know, I look good, whatever. I feel good about myself. But then, you know, as soon as something happened, I would turn to food and binge eat and then make myself feel bad. And so I've been in like, the anorexia scene I've been in the like bulimic scene I've been in like binge eating scene and it's just like I've always had this unhealthy relationship with food when I've been in this depressive state when I've been in this you know chaotic state of stress and anxiety and chaos and that's exactly what I did in this situation. I looked for food and looked to food to heal what I was feeling on the inside and I gained like so much weight and I just lost my confidence. I lost who I was. I lost my purpose. I just really felt like just darkness was starting to overtake me and I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it anymore. And I was praying for help. I was praying every night, like, just please show me the way. Please give me a way out. Please help me. You know, I don't know what's going on. I need help. Like, and I'm still doing the work. I'm still getting Reiki. I'm still doing everything, but it's just not as consistent as what I had in plan before. It's not the same environment that I was in before that was uplifting, you know. So I had that dream from asking. I've had this feeling from asking that Aya was something I needed to do. And, you know, I worked through so much on my own before I got to that point that I felt confident enough in that calling to go and do it. And I'm very glad I did because I needed it. And that is a tool that sometimes you need to use. Sometimes you don't even need the tool of ayahuasca. It's just a tool at the end of the day. 
another way to break through some of the things that you've been holding back or hiding within your life, within your brain, um, within your mind, within your body. You know, like if you have repressed sexual trauma, if you have repressed PTSD, if you have repressed depression, anxiety, things like that, this is really a tool that helps you work through everything and helps you see the true meaning of life, that helps you see the true meaning of your purpose here. And sometimes that can be shown to you through a horrific accident that changes your path into this. That can be shown in so many other different ways and perspectives, different plant medicines, different life situations, going to jail, going to prison, getting in car accidents, getting in plane accidents, a close friend dying or your family member dying and the grief that you have to go through that brought you to the other side of that pain and to realize the greater meaning of life, those are all tools just like ayahuasca, you know? So that's another reason why I say, like, it's not for everyone. Like, because if you've been through that experience and you're not getting the call, that means that experience that you had of, you know, the car accident or prison or jail was what you needed to realize the true purpose in life and the true purpose of our our being here, right? And, you know, that's really why I say Aya calls you if you're ready. Aya calls you if you need it because it's really meant to be a tool to help. So um, going forth, you know, I get the money for the Aya. I'm, it, it's put in my path, basically. If something's meant for you, the money's going to come in for you to do it. I believe that wholeheartedly. The synchronicities are going to be there for you to do it. Um, and so I booked the trip and I went and I have no regrets going. Um, like I said before, there is a very intense diet and um, life change purpose, <laughs> life changes that you have to partake in before even doing the ayahuasca itself. So I had to, one, go get checked out by a doctor, get physicals from a doctor to make sure my heart was okay, to make sure, like, my mind was okay, to make sure, like, my breathing was good, my blood was good, like, my blood work and everything was good, that I was in good health to even go. I had to do, like, stress tests and things like that, um... So sometimes people don't talk about that either. So I would make that known too. Um, I had to do these things to make sure I could be under the stress of ayahuasca because it does invoke a little bit of stress, to be honest. Um, it's something you've never experienced before, right? <laughs> it can be a little scary. It can be a little fearful. So you have to make sure that you're, you can handle it, right? Um, and you also have to make sure that you can handle it mentally as well. So that comes down to all the spiritual work that I did in the self-development. And, you know, therapy is a really great modality too. But, you know, that is just half of it. And then physical is the other half of it. So I had to go to the doctor. I had to get stress tests. I had to get um, psych psychiatric tests um, just based on the retreat that I personally went to. And I love the fact about that because that means that 
in order to properly invest in yourself and make sure that what you're wanting to do, um, as far as ayahuasca is concerned, they make you go through these steps to make sure that you're going to be safe and that you are, um, you're okay to do it before you actually go in it. And, and they've told me that they've turned away people because of their heart problems or because of their mental state, um, because they know that this medicine does, um, have adverse reactions and they want to make sure that you're safe and secure the whole way. And that's one of the beautiful things that I loved about this retreat was that. And that's one of the main reasons I picked Etnica's retreat space in in Peru for that reason. And, you know, people can leave bad reviews all day because they turn them away. But at the end of the day, they were protecting you. They were keeping you safe, right? Um, so the diet that you should go on, you can like Google ayahuasca diet for sure. I'm probably going to miss some things. Um, but the, um, retreat space gave me a specific list as well too, that they adhere to. Um, so, um, for me, it was like, um, three, three months, three weeks out, I think (laughs) like a couple weeks out, a month out, no alcohol, no recreational drugs, no, um, um, no sex, no, uh, I think I stopped eating red meat around a month out as well too. And then, you know, it trickles down. So like three weeks is like no spicy food. Um, two weeks, three weeks, three weeks was like no spicy food, no pork, da, 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 da. two weeks. Oh, sorry. <laughs> two weeks was, um, like, um, no, um, dairy, um, like certain foods that inhibit the DMT, um, receptor, Um, so it goes really in depth about everything. And then like one week out, like it's definitely like more fruits and veggies and things like that. But I'm somebody that's like, if I'm doing it, I'm going hard. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I was very adherent on staying to the diet and I ate mostly alkaline for that whole month before doing ayahuasca. I was very intentional. I was meditating every day before it to just give myself state of mind, state of peace. Um, And I, you know, ate mostly alkaline. I gave myself fish when I felt like I needed some protein, Um, but mostly fruits and veggies and lots of water. No processed food, no um, heavy oils, no junk food, none of that. And, um, so I really felt like prepared to go, um, even though like, you know, it was like my birthday and before you leave, you want to have cake and stuff like that. But, you know, I couldn't even eat cake, couldn't eat like, you know, anything super sweet or sugary. Um, so I was really good. And, you know, for somebody that has such indulgent behaviors with food, I was really proud of myself for, you know, taking the time to really make sure that I did the work, you know, um, and then just really getting there, um, getting to Peru even, 
I went um, while, you know, COVID restrictions were still going on. So I had to get um, COVID tested 48 hours before I left, make sure it was negative. It was negative. I was so worried I was going to have to miss the trip because I had a positive test. Um, I wasn't worried, but that was like a a thought in my head. I didn't want to manifest that, but that was a thought in my head. I was like, I'm going to be good. I'm not going to have COVID. I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm good. I'm healthy. Like I would like repeat affirmations just to make sure that I could actually go. Um, and so I went, I landed there. I got there safely and, um, I really allowed myself just to do things for me while I was there because, you know, this was my birthday vacation. This was a healing vacation. So I allowed myself to get a massage from one of the local ladies, like the first day there. I allowed myself to explore, um, some of the archeological ruins that I didn't get to go to last time and just learn more of the culture that I love so much there. Um, and learn more about the history behind ayahuasca and the history behind, you know, some of the museums and the archaeological spots and how, you know, the Incan people were forced out of their homes by Spaniards and, and just really feeling the energy in every spot um, that I went to and allowing myself to connect to the land I feel like that connection to the land and that connection to Mother Earth and that connection to Pachamama, who is the main connector to ayahuasca is Pachamama. And that's that energy that flows through that ayahuasca root that is used for ayahuasca. I felt that was so important to make the time to really ground and show my appreciation for it while I was there. Um, so when it came down to getting to the ayahuasca retreat, I really, you know, was happy with the group that was there. I felt very connected to everyone. I felt very connected to the land. I felt very connected to Pachamama already. I was already starting to um, show gratitude and show appreciation and show appreciation to my spirit guides for allowing me to be there. And I just felt like the biggest part, even though I was really scared about what was about to happen, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little scared. I was a little nervous because I've never done it before. And... um. I just felt like being positive and staying happy throughout everything was what I needed to do um, to make sure my experience was the best possible. Um, if you go into Aya, um, you know, consuming negative movies, consuming negative music, consuming things of low vibration you know, even the month before, it can cause dark experiences too. So I was very intentional on the media I watched. I was very intentional on the food I ate. I was very intentional on the music I listened to um, and just my mood before I went there. So I hope for the most part that helps you guys out on... Um, 
your personal journey into ayahuasca. Um, again, at Nika's is amazing. They are truly, truly a place that cares about the people that come in. I've never, I never felt so like loved and protected the entire time. And the doctors and the psychiatrists there, they make sure to come over to you and check on you during the ceremony. They make sure you drink your water. They make sure you're hydrated during the ceremony. They make sure you're cold. Um, if you're cold, you have a blanket. If you're hot, you <laughs> they help you with the blankets or your jackets and things like that. I remember very briefly, um, you know... <laughs> Like, even if you have to go to the bathroom, they will walk you to the bathroom and help you and everything. And, you know, that was just, like, another security factor that I liked about it. And even um, the shaman, you know, when I was having such that rough time in my shadow that I even worked so hard to make sure I tried to heal, I still had that rough time, you know, because you don't expect some of the things that come up. Like sometimes you could have repressed memories and um, things like that, where if you don't do like hypnotherapy or um, there's another modality that I can't think of right now that causes like this like electric pulse, um, like, um, oh, I think it's like a stem or something like that, where it helps you process um emotions and memories that you have repressed um and allows you to remember if you don't do any of that then you go into this that's it it can bring up things that you've been holding within you for god knows how long that you totally forgot about and it can come up and give you a hard time too so i think just just the fact that i knew that everybody there was really taking care of me and wanted to make sure I was safe and wanting to hold that container in the utmost love and the utmost light really made me feel a lot more secure and just knowing that my spirit guides had my back by all of the messages and synchronicities and animals and insects they sent to me was awesome too um and yeah, I did mine back to back one night on the 21st and the second night on the 22nd. And so like that time in between those two ceremonies, um, you really get to be in reflection with self. You really get to heal um, from what you experienced the night before um, and your downtime a bit. Um, and they almost kind of, I don't want to say it's like a distraction from what you went through the night before, but they give you things that make you feel good before you go into the second one. So I ate my nice breakfast, <laughs> um, my nice light breakfast. They gave me like this pineapple aloe, like warm soup. I don't even know how to explain it. It was like a jello, like soup type thing that soothes your throat from like throwing up or crying or you know screaming in the ayahuasca ceremony um and it was so good <laughs> that I was like what is this I need it in my life all the time and um it was just like the added care the added touch and we 
you know, got to give back to the local community. We got to go to a girl's home, the orphanage, and and that made me feel good because, you know, I got to teach those girls basketball. I got to be like a a bright light for them in their day and show them that there's hope and, you know, not to give up on just because of their situation and where they're at. And that made me feel really good going into the second night of ayahuasca um, as well. So it's just having that positive mindset and that positive intention and allowing yourself to feel that love for yourself enough to want to have a good experience, you know? And um, yeah, I hope this helps you guys. (laughs) I hope I answered everything you guys were wondering about the preparation part of ayahuasca. I'm going to do a part three that goes over the actual integration part after ayahuasca. I should have done this a little backwards, but it's okay. We're doing it now. I didn't necessarily realize how much more in depth you guys wanted me to go. So um, I'm actually glad I talked about this because it just makes me feel really good to share this side of me that I hide and hold close, dear to my heart, um, so that maybe I can help more people who are having the same things going on as well. And I just feel really called to like just be very vulnerable and share some of the harder moments that I've had to deal with, um, personally. So, um, next week I'm definitely going to do part three of this ayahuasca story. I don't want to make this super long. (laughs) So I'm going to do part three of the integration process after ayahuasca, after, you know, learning the true reason for our existence after realizing what this all is after being woken up from this deep slumber that I was put in so far in this life. And um, I'm really going to touch about touch on a lot of different things that I've done after. I really feel like this year of my life, <laughs> um, basically after my Saturn return, Um, I just turned 30 in February when I did this ayahuasca retreat. So um, this past, you know, Saturn return, the last two years of my life have been really insanely up and down, like a roller coaster, like that Kundalini almost, where it's like been really high points, really low points, really high points, really low points that just allowed me to get closer to myself. And that's what I've realized about Saturn Returns too, is it really just allows you the time to figure out who you are, to connect deeper to yourself. And if you miss that time slot, it's still not too late. Time's not running out to figure anything out. You know what I mean? But it's just another thing that I've noticed with myself and my friends and other people is, is this crazy awakening ascension process through your Saturn return. And yeah, so I'm going to talk about the integration after being awakened, if you will. 
after ayahuasca, and I'm going to talk about how I use different plant medicines and different modalities so far. Um, and I really want to give each plant medicine their own episode to really go into what I've learned from each and what each has taught me. Um, but I do want to talk about the work that has to be done after Aya because it does shake up your world. It does change your perspective on reality. It does change what's important to you. Um, and it may deep, it may be different for each person that does do ayahuasca, but I just want to make it known my personal perspective and share that with you guys as well too, since you also wanted to know more about that. So make sure to tune in this Friday for another activation of your throat chakra. It's a very good one. I love it so much. Um, and, and, and for next Tuesday, tune in for part three of the ayahuasca story. Um, and if anything I said today, as far as Reiki is calling to you and you feel like you're ready to learn about Reiki, then message me on Instagram or, um, Find me on my website, www.thestarseedmedium.com. Everything of mine is the Starseed Medium, T-H-E-S-T-A-R-S-E-E-D, Medium, M-E-D-I-U-M. Beware of scammers, guys. I will never message you first for a reading. But if you're feeling like called to Reiki and you want to learn and you feel like I'm somebody that is intention for you, if you feel like you need help um, integrating into ayahuasca or integrating out of ayahuasca, I offer courses as well where I help you really step into your power. I hold the container for you to allow yourself to go deeper into who you are, deeper into your purpose here, deeper into, into life and the real reason why we're all here, right? So if any of that calls to you, if any of that speaks to you and you want to learn more, feel free to message me and we can schedule a one-on-one call. Um, but until then, guys, I will see you next week. I am sending you guys lots of love and rainbows. Have a good night. Bye.